top five anything just gives me anxiety, to be very honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> that I'm like, What's up, listeners? Welcome to this Force 5 mini episode. I am your host, Jason Kleberg. And I'm going to apologize in advance. We are in a, a record-setting weekend for rain here in California. So it's raining hard outside. There's wind. There's stuff creaking. So if you hear noises, it's just one of those things that I'm not going to be able to avoid today. But uh, let's get into this mini here. On today's show, we're going to talk about what we missed last week when Suitable Flesh director Joe Lynch and I talked top five erotic thrillers. I've got a few things to recommend that I've seen in the past couple weeks, and then I'm going to close out with a review of an upcoming horror film titled Out of Darkness. Now, overall, I was really happy with the films that Joe Lynch and I highlighted on last week's show. I think it's a worthy sampler that would both get somebody in the right headspace to watch Suitable Flesh, but also would be a nice introduction to the genre for somebody who's unfamiliar. Alas, we could only really highlight a few films in the vast pantheon of erotic thrillers. So, of course, the internet was quick to let us know what we missed. Not in the top five. Did they get it right? Excuse my language. Okay. Hell no. <laughs> I can't believe. Who, who made that list? Who made that? That's blasphemous. Don't look at me. That's blasphemous. I made a post on Reddit for this, favorite erotic thrillers. The post got 22,500 views and had a bunch of different comments. Some of the ones that I really liked here, Kobold Trapmaster said, I loved Sanctuary. I had never heard of this film, came out in 2022 at festivals 2023 elsewhere, and uh, yeah, I gotta check that out. Shrimp Teeny had a couple of different ones. They said Saltburn, which I still have to watch. The Talented Mr. Ripley, Fair Play, Stars at Noon, and Mulholland Drive, the Lynch film. I gotta revisit that. I haven't seen it since it first came out. Alchemix 16 said the very first Wild Things. That movie had sizzling hot scenes bound together by an excellent plot. I dare you to say, oh, I could predict that outcome. Yeah, I watched that for the first time not too long ago and reviewed it on this very show. Still can't believe it had three sequels, but the first one, it is quite the ride. Friendly Ad 3853 said Wild at Heart was a fever dream of a movie. OGD5150 said Shattered from 1991. Pippi Hooligan said The Last Seduction, definitely. There's also a little forgotten neo-noir from the 90s I love called Romeo is Bleeding. Amazing cast, Gary Oldman, Roy Scheider, Annabella Ciora, the wonderful and underused Michael Wincott, and a fantastic psychotic femme fatale in Lena Olin's Mona DeMarkov, one of my somewhat guilty pleasures. Uh, Romeo is Bleeding. That's one that I saw while I was working at the video store, but I do not remember a thing about it. I need to check that out again. Cool Hand RK1 said Sliver and Jade. Payne McLean said Nine and a Half Weeks. This fucking guy said anything with Shannon Tweed or Julie Strain in the 80s or 90s is my favorite. Pick one. Anyone will do. Zorro Means Fox mentioned Verhoeven's The Fourth Man. Rebundant Underscore said I still like Whispers in the Dark. And finally, Martin Scorsese, I'm going to go ahead and doubt that it's the actual Martin Scorsese, but I would be stoked if it was, said In the Cut, which is another one that I need to add to my list. In addition, uh, I would personally also recommend the documentary from last year titled We Kill for Love, which highlights a lot of the films from the gargantuan releases to the direct-to-blockbuster releases. So if you want more erotic thriller knowledge, that's also a good place to start. All right, some of the things I've been watching in the last couple weeks. I finished up season five of Fargo, which is shaping up to be one of the best television shows of the century, in my opinion. 
I really loved the first three seasons. I thought there was a bit of a drop in quality at number four, but really only because I couldn't buy Chris Rock as his character. He just, he was always Chris Rock to me. But season five is quite possibly the best season yet. It's got a stellar cast that features Juno Temple, Jennifer Jason Lee, John Hamm, Dave Foley, Lamorne Morris, Joe Keery, and more. It's extremely well written. It's funny. It's brutal. It's got an incredible finale. Highly recommend Fargo season five. And if you have never seen an episode of Fargo, it's okay. You can jump into any season you want. There's no real continuity. There's no real, well, I mean, there's references here and there, but they're very oblique, very vague. And this one actually has a lot of visual references to the film Fargo. So if you if you love Fargo, I really recommend you check this out. I also wanted to give a quick shout out to an Indonesian action comedy that I just watched called The Big Four. This is directed by Timo Chahanto. It's about a by-the-book detective investigating the death of her father, and she follows a clue to a remote tropical island, only to find his true identity as the leader of a group of assassins. Now hunted by his enemies, she has to team up with the crooks that her father had trained, four retired, down-on-their-luck assassins itching to get back in the game. This film is a blast. I had so much fun with this. It's filled with laugh-out-loud moments. It is a it's, a it's a comedy, after all. And in true Timo fashion, extreme moments of blood and gore. If you've ever seen any of his other films, you know that he does not skimp on the gore. This one is the same way. Yes, it is a comedy, but people get their heads blown clean off in frame. Uh, there are, like, limbs getting chopped off, people getting exploded down to their shins with rocket launchers. It's absolute insanity. Now, the person who clued me into this movie is a YouTuber whose channel is called Kinemotions. Their Twitter is how I found their channel, and their Twitter is Head Exposure. I'm going to link this in the show notes. I highly recommend their year-end action movie recap videos. They've done two. They did one for last year. They did one for this year. They're feature-length long. These are not short videos, but wow. Um, I feel like I like to watch a lot of action movies, and I feel like I know about most of the movies that come out, but I mean, for both last year and this year, he highlights films from other countries that I've never heard of, including the big four. And so I've got a bunch of stuff that I've added to my watch list in the last couple of days. Really highly recommend it. So go watch his videos. Totally worth the time. Again, that's Head Exposure on Twitter or Kin Emotions on YouTube. And again, link to that in the show notes. All right, let's talk about another new movie. This one's coming. This one's going to be out uh, February 9th wide, and I saw a sneak preview for this. It's a film called Out of Darkness. Panarashum teesin barafin in susulardes. So if you've seen this poster before, uh, it's possible if you're living in the United Kingdom, this came out in 2022 over there. It's directed by Andrew Cummings. It's just now starting to get a wide release in the United States, thanks to Bleecker Street. Um, This is going to be out again February 9th. It takes place 45,000 years ago. 
a small group of people splinters off from their community, heading west in search of lands filled with animals to hunt and caves to inhabit. There's the leader and head hunter Adem, his pregnant wife Ave, his son Heron, his brother Gear, an old tribal wiseman named Odal, and a stray named Bea. After making the voyage across the water, they hit land, but unfortunately the land is not as lush as they thought. There's hardly anything to forage and nothing in sight to hunt. And hunger isn't the only thing they need to worry about because soon they start to suspect that there is a malevolent mythical being that is hunting them down. The dynamics in the group are actually pretty interesting. Adem is the typical tribal alpha male. And while it seems that he does desire to keep everybody in the group safe, we quickly learn it's kind of a facade. He truly only cares about his son, but would sacrifice his pregnant wife and unborn child if necessary. Things get really creepy when his wife gets sick and he starts to show his true colors. His brother Gear is like the moral compass of the group, the brain who tries to slow Adem down when he's getting out of control, he's getting too overzealous, and Bea, who's essentially the audience surrogate, is a fine character to root for. For the most part, she makes sound decisions and has a pretty full character arc. Now, it was a little hard to buy these actors as tribes people from 45,000 years ago when they have perfect teeth, skin, and hair, which certainly detracted from my immersion, but hey, you gotta work with what you gotta work with. Luckily, the atmosphere created by Andrew Cummings and his cinematographer Ben Fordsman, probably best known for St. Maud and the upcoming Love Lies Bleeding, is incredibly dense. The film seemed to be entirely lit by natural light from the sun or night campfires, which was both a positive and negative for me. It was definitely effective, seeing almost nothing and hearing sticks crackling in the distance bolstered by an incredible sound mix certainly forced a sense of dread upon me. But it was also very tough to see anything in certain scenes, and there are a lot of scenes that take place at dusk or in complete darkness. Certain video games I play force you to use a slider to adjust the darkness, and they're always like, move the slider until the logo's barely visible. But I got shit eyesight and colorblindness, so I'm like, nope, I'm moving that slider until I see everything, and I wish I had a slider like that for this film. There was a guy two chairs to the right of me that was snoozing like 20 minutes in, and that, that probably could have been a reason for this. The juxtaposition of dark to light is effective though, and when you finally see the light after battling the darkness, it does feel like a relief to the audience, and I have to believe that that was intentional. Either way, the atmosphere is great, and the natural light leads to some incredible visuals. There's a night scene lit only by the Aurora Borealis. It is so striking. The script, the first by Ruth Greenberg, isn't the strongest, unfortunately. The story is clearly an allegory to the British landing on the shores of the West, which it could have pulled off had the force they're going up against been less overtly terrible. And I'm not going to say more because that would get into spoiler territory. Again, this isn't even in theaters yet. But there's this final voiceover that just doesn't stick the landing because what the character narrating learned certainly doesn't sync up with what I saw on screen. I think that with a few tweaks, the script could have dazzled, but instead, it's not the strongest part of the film. The direction, however, is really solid. It's a strong feature debut for Andrew Cummings, who has spent most of his time in the business directing shorts and TV episodes. 
Overall, I liked Out of Darkness, but with a few tweaks to the script and a little more light, it could have really pushed this to another level. It's an interesting genre that really hasn't been touched much. The prehistoric horror film that is much closer to BC folk horror is a world that could be a lot of fun to explore. It felt like the same lane as Eyes of Fire, but thousands of years earlier. I should also mention that the film is subtitled. The dialogue is all spoken in a made-up language called Tola, but I'm really glad they weren't speaking English because it would have made no sense. It would have been a terrible decision. So uh, this is a subtitled film. Just go in. I think if you're into Ben Wheatley films or like deliberate slow burn atmospheric horror, you're going to get a kick out of this one. Ultimately, I rated Out of Darkness three out of five stars on Letterboxd. Thank you for listening to this mini episode. I hope you join me next week when all three Cinematics hosts join me to wrap up last year with our top five films of 2023. 